Hey, and welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. And you may hear the ducks in the distance over there, here on my left, in the green field. And also lots of birds on the other side of the road. I'm walking in the countryside. And I'm not the only one. There are lots of people either riding their bikes or... Uh, their motorbikes, like this family. There were three people on that bike. <laughs> Father, mother, and a, her daughter. And it's a gorgeous day. It's actually very warm. The sun has been shining for several days now. And temperatures are slowly rising up and up. And it looks like we're going to have an awesome Easter weekend and Easter Monday. And I just came back from, uh, or I'm still in the middle of a, four-hour walk. It's one of my training walks in preparation for this uh, four-day walking event in July that I'm participating in. And uh, I'll have to walk 40 kilometers every day for four days. And so I'm not used to doing that. (laughs) And uh, it's also going to be in July, so it's maybe very hot. So for me, it's imperative to, uh, to train enough and perhaps even more than enough so I'm ready for that, uh, that challenge. And I've got about an hour and a half left before I'm back home. And uh, I'll have 45 minutes before um, the Easter vigil starts. So I'm recording this on Saturday of the Easter weekend, Holy Saturday, after Holy Week, which has been really wonderful, very calm, just as I hoped it would be. Again, I I think I've explained this before, but I uh, was planning on being in Chicago for the Star Wars celebration, but a couple of weeks ago, I decided to not go there to cancel my trip and instead to take of a kind of a week of uh, not really a vacation, more of a retreat. I just felt that I'd been running around and working so hard that it would be very um, beneficial for me to take some time off and uh, have time to calm down, to pray, to read, to play video games, (laughs) to walk. And I've been outside quite a bit. I haven't been completely unproductive. I did record, of course, a reaction video to the Star Wars trailer. How could I not? And that was fun. It was also fun to share the excitement with hundreds of thousands of Star Wars fans. The video itself got more than 100,000 views so far and tons of comments. Um, And it's really really great to see that my initial reaction, which is always a little bit over-the-top excited because as soon as I see something that has to do with Star Wars, I become that eight-year-old again. And uh, I, I guess I have that in common with a lot of Star Wars fans. <laughs> but it's, it's fun to see that in these cynical times where even reaction videos, appar- apparently, according to uh, a lot of the people in the comments, uh, are fake nowadays. So they're, they're basically people that have already seen the trailer multiple times and then they record their reaction as if it was the first time. I mean, what's the purpose? <laughs> Why? Are they so insecure that their reaction is, no, is going to be too underwhelming? I don't know. But anyway, it's, it's fun to see that um, for a lot of people, this is a bit of an antidote or antidote to the, the very cynical attitude of, of many people nowadays. 
just sharing joy. And, uh, and that is, I think, something that is uh, extremely fitting for, uh, for this week of Easter that we're about to begin, these eight days of Easter. Um, because it's, it's a celebration of joy, the joy of life, um, uh, the joy of uh, a risen Christ, not just a memory of ancient times, not just a legend or a myth, but it's real life, it's everlasting life, and he's still with us. And that ensures and guarantees us that um, that he won't be forgotten because he is new for every generation. He is new and he's alive for me and he's alive for so many of my fellow Christians. But even when we are long dead and gone, he will still be alive and he will be uh, a, a, a companion for future gen- generations as well. I'm convinced of that. And that is a source of, of great joy because, it, it, you know, it doesn't really depend on us or on this generation. Christ is with the uh, with all generations, and he will lead us through time and to eternity, to infinity and beyond. <laughs> it's been a it's been a, a good time of Lent, uh, and I wanted to uh, briefly summarize kind of the results, my personal results when it comes to Lent. Not that Lent is a, is a is an achievement or is is a, a challenge where you have to score points, but I'm always I'd like to evaluate, was, uh, have I used Lent in such a way that it helped me grow? And I think it did. Um, As you recall, I had two big um, wishes or resolutions for Lent, I guess. The first one was a bit counterintuitive, even though Lent is supposed to be a time of mortification and self-sacrifice. Um, I decided to take better care of myself this Lent and to work less. Uh, so I cut my working hours in half instead of working 40 hours on paper because in reality I was working way more than 40 hours every week. But let's say the office hours, instead of being at the office for 40 hours, I went back to 20 hours. And that had massive result, uh, massive consequences uh, and, and, and the first few weeks were hard because I was constantly worried that things wouldn't get done. And obviously, it couldn't be done in 20... You can't do in 20 hours what you normally do in 40 hours. But it also had the very beneficial effect of uh, me having to choose and to um, set priorities and act upon those priorities. Because if you only have 20 hours and, and time is no longer a commodity but is a, a scarcity then you are much more um, motivated to make the right choices and to only spend your time and your energy and your resources on what is truly worth it. And, and that led me to uh, an important decision. And that was that I would, uh, f- from now on, focus much more on um, the activities that... Um, not not just that I'm good at, but that I cannot find anyone else to replace me for that. So to focus more on the things that truly motivate me, give me joy, and are um, the core of what I'm called to, instead of doing other people's work. Short, uh, simple example, uh, editing. I've re- recorded a number of uh, 
videos before the uh, the before Holy Week. Uh, recorded a talk show. Recorded a um, uh, an episode uh, of a conversation with a Franciscan friar. Um, and some other stuff that had to be edited. Uh, there was another TV show that I had to do. And, of course, it was impossible to edit everything in uh, uh, with, with just 20 hours per week. And so I decided, well, I'm going to edit that TV show because it's based on uh, film material that I filmed with my phone. Um, and the, both of the editors that we're currently hiring from time to time are working with Avid, um, and in Avid, it's very hard to deal with um, with the video f- footage from phones because phones usually record at 30 frames per second, whereas the um, television norm in, in Europe is 25 frames per second. So you can imagine if you have to fit 30 frames into 25 frames, that requires a lot of blending of those frames. And it, in, in Avid, that gives very ugly results almost unusable. Whereas in uh, Adobe Premiere, which is the program that I use nowadays for my, um, for my editing, it is, uh, uh, it's much easier to use that footage at, 20, uh, at uh, 30 frames per second. The, the converter conversion to 25 frames per second is much better than in Avid. So I decided to do that. Also, it was my personal footage that I shot during a week, uh, a youth camp, uh, that I assisted uh, uh, another priest with, and I went to see him in Belgium. He's now uh, an Augustan uh, father, so he's no longer a diocesan priest, but he went. Uh, he entered a monastery, uh, but I had an interview with him, and uh, I kind of had to cut all that together. It also meant that I had to delegate the uh, editing of the other two shows to other people, and I'm so glad that I did. And yes, it it it, it costs something. But it did free me up so I could, you know, not worry about it. And, uh, and, it, and things got done. And, I didn't ha- and that has been the constant learning experience for me. That as soon as I let go, instead of trying to manage everything myself, as soon as I handed it over to other people, even without, without the guarantee that, that, that it would work out, it usually did work out. But more importantly, it helped me to, to realize that it doesn't depend on me. And uh, things get done sometimes even better than if I would do it myself. Plus, it gave me, already after a couple of weeks, so much new energy, especially creative energy. And having these days that I don't have to be at the office, I can just be at home and I can uh, read a book or... I don't know, just decorate my hobbit room or write or... Um, it, it, it opened up new margin for me to be creative. And so that resulted in something that I haven't been able to do for three years now. And that is to, to do a, a follow-up video with Lego about Holy Week and about Easter and the meaning of that. And it's, just, it's just a very simple video. It's just a minute long. And it didn't take more than about a day and a half to uh, to create, and most of it was just me kind of messing around with Lego, <laughs> trying to build the, the various scenes. So I, I I have wasted quite a bit of time on that, but the end result is a video that is very shareable and and uh, very quickly goes viral again. 
And the reason that I wasn't able to produce that video in the previous two, three years was that I was always overburdened and, and working so hard all the way until, you know, the, the moment of Easter vigil, I would be working. And uh, it, it, I kind of feel like I've been missing out on the things that I do best because I was to, trying to do everything. So very happy with that result. Also, um, I feel that I've, with extra time, with extra margin, I have more time to reflect upon my life and where I stand as a priest. And um, that's also very beneficial. And especially this last week where I completely took off uh, from work. I wasn't at the office. I've been there just a few hours this week to post the Lego video, but that was about it. That last week was really, even though I didn't go into a monastery for a retreat, but just being at home and having these open days, I could just wake up in the morning and sit in the sunroom with a cup of tea and, uh, and calm down. It's been incredibly beneficial and I'm so glad that I, uh, that I made that choice instead of going to Chicago. The second thing that I tried to do during this time of Lent was to reduce my, the amount of waste, and especially the plastic waste that I produce. And uh, that too has been quite a challenge, especially the first few weeks. I was extremely motivated to go entirely waste-free, you know, to be all organic and uh, ban plastic from my life. And then I quickly realized that if I did so, it would require um, a massive life change. Now, of course, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it would also take a lot of energy. Um, because everything in the supermarkets is wrapped in plastic. And uh, if you want to go to the market, it's only once a week. Uh, if you want to grow your own food, well, I should have started a year ago. <laughs> so turned out that going entirely plastic-free and waste-free was very hard. What it did, however, do to me was that it made me so much more aware of how much garbage I would normally produce in a week. And, uh, and uh, I, I, can know, I can tell by the, just the incredible reduction of, of, of waste that I've been able to, to uh, accomplish in, in these uh, weeks of Lent. It's, I, would, I would guess... Perhaps only 20% of the amount of waste that I normally produced. And it's because I've been very deliberate and trying to... I didn't really... I didn't... Uh, uh, I didn't manage to, to go entirely waste-free. But I managed to reduce the amount of waste with 80%, which to me was... is, is huge. I read somewhere uh, a quote. I think it was on Facebook or Instagram. Saying, you know, instead of... Uh, a few people that live a perfectly waste-free life, it's much better to have 200 people um, uh, trying to live a, a reasonably waste-free life. <laughs> so just the attempt itself, if we do that, if we all try to, to reduce the amount of waste that we, we produce, will m m make the biggest changes. And so... Uh, certainly wasn't perfect in that respect, but I've made incredible progress. Uh, an example, uh, instead of using these plastic uh, razors, 
uh, that I would I would buy, you know, like a dozen each time and throw away, I switched to uh, a safety razor, and it's all metal, and the blades themselves are also metal. Not only did it completely reduce the plastic waste of uh, of shaving, but it's also much and much cheaper. I mean, it's unbelievable. Those those blades last a month, whereas these these plastic uh, razors, you know, you use them two, three times, and they're blunt, and you you have to throw them away. And it's done on purpose, of course. So you, then you buy new ones. So uh, and yeah, it, it does require uh, <laughs> new habits, and I did cut myself at the beginning, although it wasn't the blood bath that, bath that I feared it would be. But with a little bit of practice, I've been able to kind of master that that new uh, method of shaving, and so I'm 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 good now. Um, and every time I would buy something with plastic, I'd feel guilty, <laughs> which is also kind of a good a, a good proof of of uh, the change in me that I was normally I wouldn't even be aware if I'd buy stuff in plastic. I wouldn't wouldn't care about it. And I was like, ah. Geez, that it's wrapped in plastic. Is there an alternative? Like that's the question that I'm always asking myself when I when I do uh, get my groceries. Is there an alternative? And I had to do some research because some of the plastic is recyclable. Now, of course, you know, even plastic that can be recycled usually usually can only be recycled once, and it will still end up in the environment. But it's already a small step. Um, but there are different types of plastic. One of the worst uh, polluters is, are these uh, metallic bags that they use for, for crisps or for potato chips. Um, because that's a, kind of a blend of plastic and metal and it cannot be, uh, uh, it cannot be recycled, it cannot be uh, processed, you can't make energy out of it. So it just ends up in landfills. So that even goes all the way to my snacking habits. Something that I shouldn't be doing in the time of Lent anyway. So all in all, um, I'm, I'm glad that I tried something different for Lent. And uh, I'm, I'm encouraged to uh, continue both habits, actually. Which is ultimately the goal of Lent. It's not a 40-day performance and then you switch back to your old life. It's meant to instill some habits. And so... Uh, I will continue to try to reduce my waste as much as possible. I'm much more aware of the alternatives now. And I think I can even make more progress than I've been able to make in the past few weeks. But I will do do that gradually. And I've decided to stick with my 20-hour work week. And that is huge. That is... It sounds insane. Because the work has not diminished. But I, I truly have experienced that reducing the amount of time that I work is helping me to be much more effective and efficient and more creative. And ultimately, it's about quality. It's not about quantity. If it was about quantity, then of course I would be, I would be lost anyway because I cannot measure myself to you know, all these vloggers out there and, and just the, the media industry that is... Look at Netflix. How many movies can you watch? I mean, you'd need eternity to watch everything that's out there. But it's all about trying to do the right thing instead of doing a lot of good things. (laughs) Find that one right thing that you have to do and no one else can do. 
and you're called to, to do. That is, that is, I think, what I've been trying to, uh, to do. And I really think it's been beneficial for me. And if it's beneficial for me, if it makes me more at peace uh, and more purpose-driven. That's ah, kind of a self-help term, but anyway. But it also helps the people around me. It helps, helps me to delegate, to trust other people, to let go and to not be stressed all the time because stress is always something that affects other people as well in a negative way. So those are the fruits of Lent. And now, let me see what time is it. Um, it's six past seven. Vigil Mass is at nine. And I've got about an hour before I'm... A little bit more than an hour. Okay. So I should be thinking about my homily, <laughs> my Easter homily. I've been wrecking my brain uh, while walking. What am I going to, to preach about? Well, the resurrection, of course. But how can I make something... How can I relate to the people that are at church? And as, as always, during these big feast days, it's not just, you know, uh, Sunday Catholics that, that are, are kind of part of my usual audience. But it's also a lot of people that will come to church just for the Easter Vigil. And the next time I'll see them again is at, Easter, at um, Christmas or Pentecost, if I'm lucky. So you always try to find something that's relatable... And uh, sometimes I look at what other people uh, will preach or some people publish their homilies. There's this Italian app uh, that was uh, promoted heavily a few weeks ago by the Vatican. And it was like, oh, priests need to be better at preaching. And it's a big uh, talking point of Pope Francis. He wants priests to be brief and to not, not, not preach longer than seven minutes and the, the homilies have to be well prepared. And so that's why we created this app and you can download example homilies that will invigorate the priesthood. I was looking at those homilies and they were so terrible. Oh, they were just dry theology and no sparkle whatsoever, no personality. It was like even seven minutes of a homily like that would be terrible. I mean, it's... I, I truly believe it's not really about the duration, but it's about engagement. Look at the walk. I mean, usually I talk for more than seven minutes, and, but it's very personal. And it's, I know that for some of you, it's also very relatable. And so that is what makes the connection. That's why you don't care if it's, you know, seven minutes or, or, or half an hour or an hour sometimes, as long as it's something that, you can relate to, then time is much less important. But anyway, so for me, the question is not how am I going to squeeze my homily and all this Easter theology into seven minutes, but it's much more how can I touch the hearts of the people because of what touched my heart. That's why preparing a homily for me is always something that happens in these Moments when I'm walking or doing something else. I, I cannot sit at a desk and write a homily. That would be terrible. But it, it's always like, it's got to be living. It's got to be about things that are going on in my life. And, and as much as possible in the life of, of the people that I'm going to talk to. And so I was trying to... Eh, very, usually I'm just 
I've got all these ideas. It's like a, like a tag cloud in my head, in my head. And I'm trying out certain themes. I was like, could I do something interesting with this? Can I tell a story? Do I have an anecdote? Is there something that, because usually when, when I have an anecdote, if it's about something that I've actually experienced, it's much easier to relate, to relate to. Um, telling a story is so much better than, than, than uh, informing people or uh, making statements. <laughs> so I'm always looking for a story and, and I, I just couldn't come up with anything. And then I was just, just uh, an hour ago, I was at the um, end of the, of the first half of my walk and I wanted to see the tulip fields. So there was a parishioner of mine, uh, it was a sacristan, and he said, oh, I've been cycling over there in the polar and I saw all these tulip fields and it's amazing and if you have some time you should go there and so that's what I did I walked there it's a two-hour walk and yeah after after two hours I finally saw two fields of tulips it was less impressive than I thought it would be Uh, one of the reasons was that they already harvested an entire field of tulips and the other fields were way too far for me I wouldn't be home in time for Easter vigil but anyway, so I was standing there, and on the other side of a small uh, canal were these tulip fields, uh, one field with white tulips and the other one with pink tulips. And I took some photos, and I was like, ah, this would be a nice place for a, a live chat on YouTube. And so I started up YouTube and had a little conversation about Star Wars and Easter, <laughs> the usual geeky stuff <laughs> with uh, the people that were watching. And... Uh, and then I took some more photos and a panorama photo and a few selfies. And I was like, ah, oh, the sun is in the wrong place. Like now I'm, you know, I can't get light on my face and see the tulips at the same time. So I was just trying to find the right shot because I knew that if I didn't take pictures, um, next week they're all gone. They're already harvesting the tulips right now. And tulip season is very short. And then having the combination of the tulips being out there and this incredibly beautiful weather I just had to take photos because it's gone next week and that suddenly clicked in my head I was like that could be the start of a homily about Easter and I'll explain I can relate to the something that most people nowadays do and that is to take photos with their cell phone because it's all digital we take a lot of photos and why do we do that because we want to remember things Life is going so fast nowadays. It's fleeting by. If you look at your timeline on on Twitter, it's even worse than on Facebook, Instagram as well. Thousands of photos every day. And it's just here today, gone tomorrow. Not here today, gone tomorrow. Here today, gone in 30 seconds from now. And I think that that makes us... Did I... Wait a minute. Where am I right now? I think I took a wrong turn. Oops. This is not the right time to get lost, actually. Did I get lost? Oh, I'll just continue. <laughs> I don't walk here all the time. But if I get lost and I arrive too late, I may be in trouble. Anyway, I'll just trust the road. I'm still heading in the right direction. If necessary, I'll just climb over a fence here and walk among the, the sheep over there <laughs> near that farm. There's a whole flock of sheep as a pastor. I should be right at home there. Oh, you can even hear them. Oh, and they got little lambs as well. How cute. But I certainly don't remember these 
from the way from the first half of my walks I'm yeah probably not where I should be anyway so it's it's all ab- about you know keeping these memories and that is something that also um, is uh, remembers reminds me of, of, of the catastrophe in Paris earlier this week with the Notre Dame Cathedral um, burning down I saw so many people posting photos of the moments that they had been visiting uh, that cathedral and it's like oh thankfully I still have the photos because it's all gone it's never going to be the same and there was this, this public mourning uh, of people just, just being so sad that it was gone forever and it's never going to be the same so it's, there's this, this stress of losing things and then, of course, our ultimate loss is going to be our death. We are terrified of being forgotten. And it's maybe because those times that we are forgotten while we're still alive hurt so much and affect us so much. And so that hurt, that pain that we sometimes experience when nobody cares about us anymore and we feel alone or, or abandoned or forgotten... That fear, I truly believe that it's not the right way. Because this leads to a farm. And then it goes all the way to that town of Nykerk. You know what? While I'm recording, I'm going to look at my... at my um, Google Maps. And see how I can get back on track. Yes, I noticed. Oh, I'm not too... Well... Actually... I think... No, I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine. I'm walking in the direction of a dairy farm. And then I'll have to turn right. And that will bring me back on track. Good. <laughs> For a moment. But I, I, I still think this is a different road. I can't remember having been... At, well, whatever. Anyway. So we, we, there's this fear of being forgotten. And... Uh, and then death is going to be much worse because we won't even be around anymore to remind people of our existence. And, and that is something that saddens me nowadays in, in uh, the way that some people um, treat death in their families and, and circle of friends. Um, it is, especially if you have to deal with a mixed audience where it's, you know, some people are Christian, other, people's are, other people don't believe Usually, to find a common denominator, people end up with, oh, but it's about, we remember the dead. I notice that with mass intentions, you know, in the Catholic tradition, people can pay a small amount of money and, uh, well, not in return, but it's a gift. And so they ask the church to pray and to celebrate mass to the intention of uh, the people that are deceased. And that, theologically... And liturgically was meant to be a real moment of prayer. These people are still alive. They are no longer among us, but their soul is still alive, is eternal. And so in case they are not yet in heaven, but they're in purgatory, they're still in this process of healing and growing towards a full acceptance of God's love because it's not God that pushes us away. It's we are pushing away God. Um, in order to help them with in that process of purification and healing, we pray for them. That is the whole idea of, um, of, of intentions at Mass. But for nowadays, for a lot of parishioners, it's, well, we pay a small amount of money so we can still hear the names. It's a, it's a, a memorial. It's, uh, we, 
it's no longer a prayer. It's like we don't want to forget them. Because if we would forget them, then they're no longer there. And that, to me, is a reduction of, of what I think we are invited to believe. And that is that even though we as, as humans forget each other, even when they're still alive, uh, let alone when, when people die, God does not. God doesn't need to take photos of us and, and look at his timeline all the time to remind himself that we are around and that he needs to like us. He likes us regardless. He sees every one of us. We don't, we don't need to update our statuses to, to attract his attention. His love is so eternal and endless that he couldn't be God if he would forget about us. And that is, I think, what touches upon the heart of the Easter message and, and uh, the events of the cross and the resurrection. What is the most painful moment for Christ in all this suffering? It's not the pain of the, of the flagellation. It's not the pain of the, uh, the nails or the asphyxiation on the cross and, and or the, not even the psychological terror of the, of the Romans and the, the, the people that uh, mock him. But it is this feeling of abandonment. It's this cry, Father, why have you forgotten me? And if there is one bond that is stronger than any bond, uh, any relationship here on earth, it is the bond between Jesus and his Father. It's so strong that it's even a person. It's the Holy Spirit. And so the greater the love, the more painful the loss of that love. And so that's, that's kind of how you measure the, the amount of suffering of Christ on the cross. It is, he is no longer to reach his father and feels to him like the bond is severed. And that is the ultimate suffering. And it is a moment of great solitude. He's already been forgotten by most of his disciples, even Peter, the one on that he trusted so much and that he counted upon for the future of his church. I mean, Peter denied him three times. And, and, and so everybody ran away. Um, but his, his greatest suffering was that his father seemed to be gone. And the, what we celebrate at Easter is the proof that God had not forgotten about his son. And... The resurrection is proof that God is, no, is not just a God of memories and legends. He could have, you know, just uh, stayed at the point of, uh, well, you know, Jesus had a good run. They've written down the gospel, so we're, we're fine. They're going to remember him. It's pretty of a dramatic ending, but yeah, nice cliffhanger. <laughs> That's kind of how we would construct our stories. But God goes way beyond that. He's, he wants his son to be alive again and to be present. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, the helper, that he does that. And Jesus rises from the dead and is with us up until today and until eternity. And so there is no way that we for, can forget about him because he's not gone. And, and, and I think that is, that is very comforting because if, 
Christ is not forgotten by God, even if when he had to die, then that same God is the one who loves us just as much as he loves his son. He lo- if we trust Jesus and if we are um, his brothers and sisters, then God too will look at us in the same way he'll, he will look at Jesus. And he will not forget us, even though mankind will forget us very quickly after we're dead. You know, the Facebook page may stay up for a couple of a couple of weeks or months, but then ultimately it's going to be erased anyway. All your photos that you've stored on your hard drives and in the cloud and, eh, who's going to care? <laughs> all the stuff that you've gathered, all the, the things that you've surrounded yourself with and that you spend so much money on and invested in, all that, you know, it, it will one day be all gone. Even a huge cathedral like the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, the fire showed us that it's not eternal. It can be burned down, and yes, they're going to rebuild it. But it shows you how fragile everything is. But what remains is is the living God who will not forget us, and he will keep us alive in his eternal, eternal love forever and so in heaven there won't be a need for to take photos I've, I think Apple would, would be out of business with their you know beautiful camera phones because we won't we won't take photos anymore to to remember things to you know take hold of things that otherwise may just disappear eternity is going to be the fullness of everything where loss is no longer among us um, but there will be just this eternal discovery of things. Maybe we will still take photos, but it would be photos to honor creation. <laughs> not, not because we want to hold on to something that is going to decay. It's just to celebrate. That's kind of what, what art does. You know, beauty. There, there's a huge difference between a snapshot and a, and a photo, a real photo. And it's, I think I have to cross the road here. Yeah, I think I'm I'm back on track here. Yep. So, um, a, a a real photo art celebrates the beauty of something or the truth, or but um, whereas a snapshot is usually I just want to have a memory. All that last we don't need snapshots in heaven anymore. What we will have is, I think, a lot of creativity and art to celebrate the creativity of God. And, and that is going to be forever. Something like that. I know it's kind of... Maybe, maybe I need another anecdote or something like that to wrap things up, but I still have about an hour to think about that. So <laughs> I think I'll be fine. Usually with homilies, uh, I, 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 only need a, I only need a beginning. And then the thing just creates itself on the spot. So anyway, thanks for uh, allowing me some time to do the rehearsal of my homily. And I may end up with something completely different anyway. I I never know what's going to happen. That's part of the fun. I want to wish you all a very happy, blessed feast of Easter. Um, Thank you so much for your support over the past months, I would say, for the great, you know, reactions and feedback that I always get on 
on social media, on YouTube. It's, it's encouraging. And, uh, and oftentimes I get ideas from your feedback. So please keep on doing that. And a special word of thanks to my patrons, uh, my supporters, that I wouldn't be able to do this work without your help. And so a uh, big thank you for allowing me to share my humble thoughts with the world and my few talents. Um, it's, uh, it's great to do that together with you. If you want to support uh, the work that I do, uh, just take a look at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. And if you can't, that's no, wor- that's no problem either. I hope you just enjoy what I do. And uh, I'll pray for you during this Easter vigil. I hope you pray for me and for my fellow priests and fellow parishioners as well. And we will talk soon after, after Easter. Take care and God bless.